<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show, and great to have you with us. You know, sometimes it's more important to think about what isn't being discussed than what is being pushed, peddled, and published by the corporatist national media. A case in point, Julian Assange. The Justice Department has been after the WikiLeaks founder for years. He faces 18 federal charges for publishing classified and sensitive government cables and reports on the Iraq and Afghan wars. Assange has successfully fought extradition to the United States, first by hiding in the London Embassy of Ecuador for seven years. Then three years ago, U.K. authorities arrested him, and he spent three years in Belmarsh Prison near London. Assange now has two weeks in which to appeal his extradition to the United States. So why is the Department of Justice so intent, so unrelenting in their pursuit of Assange? It seems to me there's a very likely possibility that the deep state and Marxist Dems aren't great fans of WikiLeaks, which, after all, reported that the DNC had favored Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders in 2016. That may have been Assange's great crime, given the tight relationship between the DNC and the DOJ, as well as the claim that Russia, yes, here's Russia again, had leaked the DNC emails that so embarrassed the DNC. But still, why is our DOJ so interested in Assange? In my opinion, not for what he published, all of it is true, but for what he knows about the relationship between the Department of Justice and the Democrat National Committee. We now know that the DOJ had a portal inside the DNC law firm Perkins Coy for more than a decade. Think about that. Assange might be able to tell us a lot more about the Department of Justice, which seems more like a front agency for the Democratic Party, or perhaps even worse. So as usual, there's a lot going on. More federal corruption throughout the intelligence agencies still, the FBI and the DOJ. And I think we'll be learning a lot more in the weeks ahead. And now we're facing mounting threats from China. President Xi giving the PLA authority to carry out military operations in the South China Sea specifically, which some strategic analysts believe gives the PLA authority, which it could use to invade Taiwan. With us today, Asian expert, author, columnist, radio host, Gordon Chang. Gordon, great to have you with us. Does it look to you as though Volodymyr Zelensky made a huge mistake? when he publicly warned leading nations to watch communist China carefully because the Chinese, he said, want to invade Taiwan. Now, just within three days of that, President Xi made it clear to the world China supports Putin's war against Ukraine. Your thoughts? Xi Jinping's phone call with Vladimir Putin on Wednesday showed the complete defiance uh, of the Biden administration. China 
as they say, um, it's not deterred by the U.S. And um, after all of uh, Biden's warnings to China over Ukraine, um, this phone call where Xi Jinping clearly supported Russia's efforts 100 percent is an indication that the Chinese do not respect Biden. They don't think that we can stop China. And that, Lou, makes this one of the most dangerous moments in history because you have two large states, China and Russia, now believe that they can do what they want. And of course, it's not just the two of them, it's their proxies. So North Korea, Iran, uh, Algeria, um, Pakistan. Um, this is how world wars start. Uh, it is how they start. And some are saying, including uh, some of the Russians, that that war is already underway. And listening to the defense minister of uh, the People's Republic, it sounds like he wants to to go well beyond uh, any sort of uh, questionable start to conflict. He wants China to be right in the middle of it. Uh, he did everything but insult uh, Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, to his face, uh, insult the United States. And Lloyd Austin sat there and took it like the woke uh, weakling he is and just whimpered as he uh, left uh, the office and uh, returned to the United States talking about how aggressive the Chinese are. What a pathetic cast of characters in this Biden White House. It's just disgusting. Yes, and that's why um, you have um, both Moscow and Beijing acting up at the same time. The one thing about China right now is you can smell war in the air because Chinese flag officers want to kill. And we can see this from what they're doing. So, for instance, on May 26, they fired flares and chaff at a Royal Australian Air Force um, P-8A, Poseidon okay. reconnaissance craft. Um, some of that material was ingested in one of the aircraft's two engines, which means that uh, we're very fortunate that they were able to get back to base. China wanted to bring down that plane. And so we've got to understand the mentality on the other side right now that the Chinese want war. Well, can I can I interject here just for a minute? Uh, when you say they want war, we put a P-8A out in front. The Australians do, but part of the the combined operation, the coalition. Why wasn't there fighter aircraft with that P-8A? And why don't we make statements by putting those fighter aircraft uh, alongside them and making certain where it's no longer a surprise when when the Chinese uh, overfly the uh, the Taiwanese defense zone? Uh, it is no longer a surprise when they go after Australia or Canada or the United States aircraft uh, as they monitor the South China Sea, uh, the Strait of Taiwan. Uh, why are we being so reticent. This isn't the way the United States is supposed to operate. You're absolutely right, Lou. There has been um, long-running discussions inside the U.S. military about how to protect reconnaissance flights. And this goes back to earlier intercepts of American craft over international in international airspace. And the feeling is that the U.S. doesn't have uh, enough fighters to protect our reconnaissance craft because it would be a commitment. This shows, um, for instance, um, a lack of resources in the U.S. Air Force and in the U.S. Navy to protect them. And we know that this is not a theoretical danger because of, for instance, the EP-3 incident of April 1st, 2001, right. but also um, something more recent, which is um, we don't talk about, and that is in the spring of 2018, 
near Djibouti, which is uh, in the Horn of Africa. Um, China lasered a U.S. Air Force C-130, blinded both of the pilots temporarily. And that means we were very, very lucky that that plane was able to land. Um, and we didn't say anything about it. Um, so these are incidents that the Chinese uh, provoke. Um, they are just testing us, and we are not meeting their test. Well, uh, then also look at the drone swarms over uh, uh, you know, a, a couple of our, our ships, uh, our Navy ships uh, off the coast of San Diego uh, there. Uh, and we find out they were Chinese uh, uh, drones. No response, no protest, no reaction of any kind, just puzzlement and head-scratching on the part of the good admirals in the Pentagon. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's getting silly. Uh, there isn't enough character, it seems to me, or, or a real principle uh, amongst our military leaders. This should not be tolerated for a moment because this is the kind of weak response that, as you point out, I think absolutely correctly, leads to war because one side is weak and doesn't understand how to meet the other in peace, then they sure as hell won't know what they're doing when war starts. I couldn't agree with you more, Lou. And this is the challenge that the United States continually fails. We do not understand the maliciousness of China. We have an indulgent military. We have an indulgent political class that uh, fails to comprehend the existential nature of the challenge from China. When you say political class, I'm thinking, golly, you know, what an expression for, for guys like Mitt Romney, Lindsey Graham, Tom Tillis, uh, and their ilk. Uh, those are just the rhinos. Then if you include the Marxist Dems, uh, all of the in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives fit in that category. We are looking at a clash of ideologies within our, our country that is almost as sharp and defined and I would say as vicious uh, as any external conflict, whether it be with the communist Chinese or whether it be with a dictator, Vladimir Putin, or the Ayatollahs uh, in Iran. We yep. are a country right now so divided and so, I, I would say, desensitized uh, to intelligent uh intelligent discussion and debate about the issues that are important, that all we're left with is this uh, this mad ideological confrontation between Marxist Dems and rhino liberal Republicans. Yeah, to put this in historical context, you know, we Americans look back at the British and French in the 1930s and wonder how could they fail to understand the challenge that Hitler was posing not only to them, but to the international system. And right now, we're seeing the same thing with the Biden administration and that political class in the United States. You know, China just killed um, 1 million 12,000 Americans with coronavirus by deliberately spreading it beyond their borders. They kill about 100,000 Americans a year with fentanyl, and there is no response on the part of the United States. Um, well, there, has been a, there has been a response. Biden has opened the borders farther. He has embraced the cartels. This is, this is the most pro-cartel administration in American history. Uh, it is, uh, in point of fact, a facilitator and a complicit partner with the cartels and those fentanyl deaths uh, in sex trafficking, in human smuggling, 
uh, drug smuggling uh, of all kinds. We are witnessing the uh, the rupture of our sovereignty by this idiot, this impaired fool, who is nothing more uh, than the subject of the puppet masters that run that White House, whomever they may be. And people are trying to pretend that this is a president. Give me a break. The only people in this country, in this world, who don't know that he is a joke are, are the American media and the two political parties who keep pretending that somehow he is competent, uh, that he is not inept, and that he is uh, cognitively uh, uh, secure and well. I mean, it's an absurdity. Well, you got me there, Lou, because you're absolutely right about that. We have a president who is determined not to defend the American people, who determined not to protect us from China, and who is determined not to see the Chinese maliciousness and the danger that they pose to us. Um, you know, I just don't know what to say. You know, as we've talked about before, America by the metrics is a far stronger society than China. But we now have a president who is not defending us from uh, the attacks from China. So we could lose our republic. Yeah, it's we are losing our republic. Let there be no doubt about it. Uh, we are being eroded in this country uh, societally. Uh, we are institutionally and governmentally, politically. Uh, it's disgusting what we're permitting to happen. Uh, and we've got to rise above this uh, this slumber that we're in and awaken. Now, you use the the analogy of pre-World War II uh, Europe and the appeasement of uh, first and foremost, of course, the uh, England. But there was also a weakness uh, that made that almost necessary because the British Navy was not what it once was. At that point, uh, they were not ready to go. It was the best they had. Their Air Force was not in any way ready for war. Uh, and they managed to turn that around, thanks to Churchill uh, and the and the organization that he created at, at, at Ten Downing. But we don't have that opportunity. We have aircraft that are half century old. The United States, in the in the midst of the greatest technological boom in a, in the world history, finds itself fifty years behind technologically in our weaponry. We are behind the Chinese and the Russians and hypersonic missiles, and we are the ones who developed them through DARPA by, uh, by 2000, uh, 2000 and, and walked away from it at the time that we thought war was all going to be tribal and uh, guerrilla tactics and the long war doctrine for insurgencies. Uh, I mean, the, the military and the intelligence agency of this country have been a disaster. Uh, their their thought leadership does not exist. Their basic ability to carry out their duties as intelligence agencies and the military to defend the nation has been weakened to the point that it is pathetic. Uh, and I hope that every American understands uh, that we're getting exactly, exactly what we asked for in our permissive and tolerant uh, uh, turn that we've taken in this country. Yeah, in 1967... NASA flew the X-15 at 6.7 Mach. That's more than hypersonic. Mm -hmm. And yet we abandoned, as you point out, that technology because we didn't want to spark an arms race. We felt that if we restrained ourselves, 
that uh, we could entice Russia and China into similar restraint. Well, obviously that's wrong. And the reason why that dynamic is so dangerous is because it's the same thing in space, in terms of space weaponry. We, uh, you know, especially when you go back to the Obama administration, um, they took many measures, uh, decided not to take many measures, um, and uh, essentially said, look, we're not going to defend our assets because if we do that, we will start a war in space. And so we think that the Russians and the Chinese will follow our lead. Well, guess what, Lou? They didn't follow our lead. And right now, our assets in space are in danger. And one other point about your, the Chinese having better weapons than us, their cruise missiles um, are got longer ranges than ours. And the Navy is is really desperately trying to catch up. And the reason is, we were in the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Agreement, INF, the Cold War Cornerstone right. Agreement. Um, but the Chinese weren't. Only we and Russia were. And it was President Trump who took us out of INF, which is now allowing the Navy to catch up. We just don't understand the nature of the world in the Biden administration. And clearly, we need new approaches, approaches that we saw in the previous administration. Those would work. The ones of the current administration don't work. You know, it seems to me, too, that it's time for everybody to get very honest about our military academies, the Air Force Academy, uh, the military, Annapolis. These officers, these flag officers are coming out of those academies. And it's about time we had a commission to actually go in and audit and understand completely what is happening in those academies. Because if they're as woke as the generals who are demanding uh, this nonsense across all branches, then we're, we're in big trouble because it's happening sooner to younger officers who one day will be leading. Uh, we're missing every opportunity here to focus on doing better, uh, being better, and insisting that our leaders be the real deal. Because what we're putting on the front lines right now are G5 riding uh, big shots uh, who are playing at leadership rather than, in fact, leading and acting in the national interest. It's dispiriting. It is disgusting. And everybody's got to tune in to the reality of what we have become. Amen to that. I've got a really good friend whose son is a first lieutenant um, in the U.S. Army in Europe. And um, his son says to him, Dad, uh, our military isn't lethal anymore. Not lethal. Well, that's a fortunate situation for a military. Absolutely. And, and what you say about uh, woke culture being um, indoctrinated into our officer corps, that's absolutely 100% correct. Um, we need a new administration um, because we need a military that will fight. We need a military that believes in the United States. We need a military that is training to go to war instead of the current um, social diversity yeah. training that they're getting at this particular time. Yeah, it's important for all of us to, I think, if I may say, Gordon, to remember this isn't just about one administration. The previous administration also was met with fierce resistance at every level when this president tried to modernize, when this president tried to bring back our troops from police actions uh, and stationary commands, whether it be in uh, South Korea or Germany, uh, which we should have brought back years ago. As, and President Trump tried his level best, but he couldn't find support amongst a, a feckless uh, group of rhinos who command the U.S. Senate, uh, period. 
whether they're Democrats or rhino liberals. Yeah, this goes back to the point about the political class. Um, we need a political class that believes in America, um, that believes in American exceptionalism, that is willing to fight to protect us, which is not to say that we want to fight. It just says that we need to deter our enemies. And unless we show some spirit, uh, the Chinas and the Russias, the Irans, the North Koreas, the Pakistans, the Algerias are going to move because they feel that we cannot oppose them. The Ukrainian war with Russia, I, I, I don't even like to say it that way because it's, it is not a particularly, uh, it's not an apt description of what is happening there. It's a devastating uh, process, a grinder, a meat grinder of, a, of an operation on the part of the Russians. The, the Ukrainians, let's be honest, have a very little chance of success, uh, particularly now with a leader that is behaving as Zelensky is. He's starting to act more like a rock star than a man fighting for his nation's uh, very existence and his own life. But your thoughts about what is what will be the outcome there now that uh, basically, not basically, uh, President Xi has given Putin the green light and promised his support of Putin? This is important because in this new phase of the war, which has been going on now for about three or four weeks, the Russians are winning. Um, they are grinding down the Ukrainian military, um, and they are exhausting uh, the defenders, which means that um, the unthinkable, as some people say, because I think it is actually thinkable, and that is Russia could end up absorbing all of Ukraine. The yeah. reason why this is important um, from my perspective is that, uh, as Fareed Zakaria said, and this is the first time I've ever agreed with him, um, that the best way to deter China is to make sure Russia loses in Ukraine. Um, Good Lord. Is Isn't that a, you know, I, I hate to say this. That is sort of a Fareed Zakaria uh, sort of entangled mess of thought. I, I, I understand you agree with him, but I have to say that if he can connect those two, uh, it, it tells me that he has some, some over under bet on something because it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, what we have to do is stay the hell out of the war in Ukraine. We have already spent $60 billion in aid while Europe has done almost nothing. And the glib leaders uh, are in uh, Ukraine right now. Uh, Germany, uh, France, and UK, uh, the European uh, uh, Union Parliament, uh, the European Parliament is holding forth. Her, the, her, she is there as well. And, and why should we be involved? Why should we be giving away money when we have to borrow it from China to give Ukraine money? This was not lend-lease. This is not a loan. This isn't a purchase. This is a gift from the United States that is now $30 trillion in debt with 100,000 of our troops on the eastern flank in Europe. And, the, and what are the Europeans doing to preserve their own life, their own culture, their own society? their own European Union? Not a damn thing, Gordon. Not a damn thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as you point out, I've got a different view on this, but the point that we agree on is that our military now is depleted. Um, we don't have a lot of the stores of munitions because they've been sent over to Ukraine. And that means the Chinese look at this and they say, well, will the United States have any capability to um, defend its interest in um, Asia. 
And I think that, you know, you look around and you, you see both China and Russia and their proxies are now thinking that the U.S. is so um, exhausted, not only um, from a military capability point of view, but from others as well. So that's what makes this moment dangerous. And that's the reason when, when we look back on this period, historians are going to look at Trump and say, Trump kept the peace, four years of peace. And that was bookended on both ends by Obama and Biden by periods of turbulence where bad actors moved and were able to make with gains. impunity, with impunity, with impunity. And they did not do that in the four years that President Trump was in the Oval Office. Yeah. Do you know what? We'll still have the left, the Marxist left in this country, denouncing Donald Trump because of his mean tweets, uh, because they couldn't control uh, the the left in this country is corporate America. It is our corporatist media. And it is carrying out a daily disinformation campaign that makes anything the Chinese and the Russians are doing pale in comparison. And people have to understand who these people are. They're ignorant. They hate America. They sure as hell hate us. Uh, church-going, uh, God-fearing Americans working hard every day. We're not their kind of people. Uh, the, the, the people they want are dependent. Uh, they are uh, ignorant enough to vote as a block uh, day after day and time after time, irrespective of the policies that are being followed. And that is the essential conflict and contest right now. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, we have companies that are parroting, for instance, communist Chinese lines. The president of the United States is parroting and further distributing uh, China's narratives about uh, xenophobia in the U.S., for instance, right. which was one of President Biden's first executive orders on January 20 of 2021. One of the first things he did moments after being sworn in. Um, we do not need Beijing's propaganda being amplified by the Oval Office. And that's exactly what's happened. And as you point out, it's also being amplified by corporate boardrooms across America. So the American people are under attack, both internally and externally. And one of the things I hope this audience will pay some attention to, uh, and that is what Wall Street firms are doing. Wall Street firms right now in the midst of the we, we now have a bear market ac across uh, Wall Street. We now have turmoil and turbulence, the likes of which we haven't seen in a very long time. It, it makes even the onset of the pandemic look uh, tame by comparison. But what we do have are Wall Street firms that even as we are preparing for conflict with, with China, are insisting that uh, their investor capital uh, go to China to invest in Chinese companies. And instead of talking about moving hey you know, let's uh, let's get something really special uh, and disruptive and intriguing and compelling going in this country let's talk about tool and die uh, let's talk about basic fundamental manufacturing what we can do to resurrect that once great proud and supreme manufacturing sector but it isn't happening they want to send money over to china so they can continue with uh, you know keeping a million people enslaved uh, the mindlessness of it is just overwhelming, and we don't have a clear and honest voice in this country talking about what is happening 
because they're co-opted and owned by corporate America. They're owned by the radical left. And by that, I mean academia. I, I mean our public education. It's, uh, it's a, it is a, now a complete, complete consortium that is conspiring against the interest of the United States and the American people from within. Absolutely right. You have Ray Dalio, you have Larry Fink. Um, they are promoting the Chinese uh, equities. Uh, and essentially what this is doing is it is enriching a hostile state, which is configuring its military to kill Americans. Instead, we should be onshoring our industry. We should be giving good jobs to Americans. We should be making our supply chains resilient by doing that. And then, by the way, it also cleans the environment because we don't have all of this transportation across the Pacific. Um, Fifteen of the world's largest container ships pour as much carbon into the atmosphere as all the world's vehicles. So um, if say you that want again. to talk. Say, say that again, because Jonathan Bass uh, uses this statistic as well. It's worth repeating so everybody understands what this these uh, these Chinese ships carrying all these Chinese goods to the United States, principally, uh, what they do, if you, if you would, Gordon. Yeah. Fifteen of the world's largest container ships put as much carbon into the atmosphere as all the world's vehicles. And that means that onshoring industry is great for the climate. Um, if you if you know, if you're John Kerry and you're worried about climate change? Well, you should be an onshoring advocate because that means when you manufacture close to consumers, there's much less carbon that's put into the air to transport materials and finished goods um, between the point of the factory and consumers. And let's be clear, you won't hear that statistic at Davos. You will not hear that statistic at Davos, nor on Wall Street or in corporate America or, by the way, from any of the Wall Street firms who want you to invest your money in China. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy. People wonder why this market is in trouble. Let me give you just a couple of influences as we wrap up here, and, then, uh, and I'll turn it over to you for your concluding thoughts, if I may, Gordon. But one of the things that people really have to capture here is that where does that, where does that $18 trillion on the Fed balance sheet, where does that go? Does that go just to commercial banks in the United States, just within the U.S. economy? Hell no. That money is going is swashing across Europe uh, to China, by the way. And at the same time, our fiscal policy, our fiscal policy makes no differentiation between uh, the foreign and the domestic. We have a mindlessness that, uh, that is uh, ingrained in our uh, international institutions, whether it is the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, uh, the corporate America, uh, Wall Street firms. Uh, I mean, it just, it, it's just disgusting to see that academia won't touch these issues because they know we've outsourced so many millions of American jobs. We've offshored so much production that we have no capacity right now. If we got into a shooting war with China right now, my wager would be this, that they would cut off every pharmaceutical ingredient and pharmaceutical drug immediately. And by the way, that would put millions of lives at risk in the United States. And these idiots in this country, running this country, won't even 
honestly discuss that issue and the importance of getting away from that kind of dependence on China. Your thoughts, your concluding thoughts, if you would. In the first months of the coronavirus pandemic, China's propaganda outlets actually threatened to throw the United States into, quote, a mighty sea of coronavirus. In other words, to do exactly what you've talked about, Lou, which is to cut America off from pharmaceuticals and active pharmaceutical ingredients and personal protective equipment. It's, they also nationalized a U.S. factory making the uh, masks. The solution to our problems, Lou, as you first pointed out, is to make in America. Make in America the goods for Americans. We do that. We end up um, changing opinions. We end up strengthening our country. We end up giving good jobs. Families are stronger. We have a stronger nation. So you're absolutely right. Make in America now. Gordon Chang, always great to talk with you, my friend. Thanks so much for being with us and sharing your perspective, your always enlightening perspective. We appreciate it. Gordon Chang. Thank you so much, Lou. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Here tomorrow, we'll take up the Marxist left and the deep state, their persecution of January 6th demonstrators and hundreds of so-called rioters the Department of Justice and FBI have trampled the rights for many of these citizens, and it's inexcusable. It's also barely reported upon. No one better in reporting on these outrages than American greatness writer Julie Kelly. She's our guest here tomorrow on The Great America Show. I hope you'll be with us as well. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America. <laughs>